We are getting closer, baby. Come on. Less than a week away until full pads get put on around the NFL. I love it. <laughs> Didn't really know if we were going to get here. but well, we are here. That means we're back. Kevin Bowen, Chris Presley. Per usual, another edition of Kevin's Corner. Appreciate you all tuning in. Uh, we might start bi-weekly podcasts next week. I don't know. It depends on what the activity looks like out there at West 56th Street. I should be out there. Haven't gotten a schedule yet, but uh, hopefully that'll come here in the next day or so. And man, I'm uh, I'm excited. You know, Chris, last podcast, I felt like I had that cautious optimism. Mm-hmm. I was trying to ingrain that and project that into people. I, I want it to be known, but it's one of those things where you say it, you aren't 100% sure if you mean it. I, I continue to kind of mean it. And in 2020, when you kind of mean things that has a positive direction boy that means a whole lot so i am still optimistic that the nfl is going to start the season on time and um pull it off yeah and it seems like they're doing every every measure possible to make this happen which we knew was going to happen but i I continue to be impressed and like you said numerous times on different podcasts the advantage they had was time watching the watching the mlb watching other sports um they can't have the bubble but they're doing the best that they can with what they have. They are, and I, I think that's well put. Um, they had a big advantage in being the last professional sports league, but they also probably have the most resources of any of those professional sports leagues. And while they weren't like the NBA, which only needed a smaller chunk of time to finish their season and don't have the Disney bubble, uh, from a financial state, these franchises just have an absurd amount of money, and so they're able to take – As we're seeing today, I think it was just announced daily testing will continue Mm -hmm. through September 5th. That's a big step. It is. In the right direction, especially when you're not in a bubble. I probably think that could be extended through the regular season, especially when you start factoring in some travel. Yep. That will happen with your 16-game schedule. So, I'm excited. I'm eager. I know college football was a huge damper and a huge downer, and it sucks. I know you love college football. I It's my favorite sport to probably watch. During the year, uh, we, I think we have a few Twitter questions on that, so maybe we can save our thoughts uh, when we get to those. Uh, today's podcast will have Naeem Hines yeah. actually join us. I'm excited for that. I filled in for Dan Dockage last Friday and had Naeem Hines on, so I know all of our listeners might not listen to daily 107.5 The Fan content, so uh, we will have that about at the midway point of the pod. Uh, and I did want to hit on a few storylines for training camp. You know, Chris, I, I, I think we, we almost have overlooked this. Oh, yeah. But, like, it's something we talk about each year. Uh, usually it's about the day or two before report day. Now it's, you know, two or three weeks into camp. But I feel like at times we've kind of like, oh, yeah. <laughs> There's a 2020 football season that seems to be happening. And, mm-hmm. I mean, think about it. It's August 12th. It's so weird. You know, September 10th is the first game. Right. September 13th, Colts in Jacksonville. I mean, a month from today, in about an hour from now, the Colts will be getting on an airplane to go to Jacksonville. Mm-hmm. You know? I mean, holy. I mean, yeah. I want to temper my expectations a little bit because I know a lot can happen in a month, but um, I'm giddy. And about three weeks from now, there's a uh, special feature on YouTube that's going to be happening as well. Oh, look at you. Look at you. I kind of forgot that we that we wanted to mention that on the pod. Yes, virtual. Beers with Bowen. 
Uh, we'll see if the title change will change it all. But um, right now, it's Beers with Bowen. Again, virtual. We're th- Thursday night, correct? Correct. Um, September... September the 3rd. 3rd? Yeah. So we are looking at that date probably around... Um, Primetime, baby. Yeah, 8 o'clock-ish 8 o'clock, yeah. is what we're thinking. We obviously did this back in April um, for the draft. Joey Molinaro did an outstanding job, and uh, I can't wait. It's it's one of my favorite events to do each year. We kind of do it twice a year is, is what we've been um, shooting for. So we'll have some more details in the coming weeks on that, but go ahead and pencil that into your calendar. Um, September 3rd, as Chris said, virtual Last time we did it, YouTube Live. I assume that'll be the same for us. I believe so. Um, great comment section throughout that hour-long show. Hopefully incorporate some interactive stuff and and have a few giveaways. So, um, yeah, thanks, yeah. For, thanks for bringing that up. Absolutely. So go ahead and like, subscribe, put your notifications on for our YouTube channel on 107.5 The Fan. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. It'll be awesome. It's, uh, it, it's not the same as doing it in person. Hopefully no. we can get back to that you know, very soon, but still. Uh, I, I found myself, this audience is global. You know, we, we see that in the analytics mm-hmm. each and every week. So it is fun to be able to, you know, tap into people um, that might not be able to come downtown and, and, and meet us at a local pub. And finally able to talk about football. Like you mentioned, we are back. Let's get into those camp storylines. You got about six of them here on your list on 1075thefan.com if you guys want to go and read that article. The first one you have acclamation of Philip Rivers. You know, this this is the biggest storyline because it's the most important position in sports. And um, I thought it was good news this week. We learned that he has thrown with T.Y. Hilton a couple times. Mm-hmm. I was curious about that. Hilton came off the non-football injury list earlier today, which the Colts can now get out to practice uh, this week. Non-full pads. That'll start next week. But um, they're able to do some some light stuff this week in an individual sense. Um, but look. Let's remember, you know, Philip Rivers has never thrown to a Colt in practice. He will only throw to Colts wearing a red jersey until the start of the regular season. And throwing him throwing in practice, establishing timing in practice, it's great. It's a big step, but it's not live bullets. Right. You know, I, I'm trying to think of a safety for the Jacksonville Jaguars. I was about to say Jonathan Cyprian. There's no way <laughs> Cyprian is still a Jaguar. But you know what I'm saying. Yeah. Insert. Um, I was about to throw it in Telvin Smith. I'm like, he's not around anymore. You know, insert Jacksonville defender that is humming down on Josh Allen is humming down on Phillip Rivers, and that safety is narrowing over the middle of the field. What does your timing look like to hit T.Y. Hilton on an end route mm-hmm. or Michael Pittman, you know, on a third and six where he's trying to post up in a one-on-one setting? You know, that that timing, it's it, it it's a step in the right direction in practice, but it's still not all the way there. And yes, this could be said for a lot of the quarterbacks around the NFL, but Rivers is one of the few that it's a totally different personnel group. So I just think I don't have worries about him system wise or, you know, guys buying into it. I don't have any of that. I think Phillip Rivers is wired just awesomely in all seriousness. Like he, the dude just, football through and through. Lou Holtz is talking about storming Normandy <laughs> and playing football. That's Philip Rivers. Yeah. You know, it, it's, you know, he was, when we asked him if he thought about opting out, he was like, no, <laughs> he's like, no, no. I'm like, you got nine kids. I, I don't know. I thought it was a decent question and whatever. So um, that's Rivers. And uh, there's still the physical aspect of playing the quarterback position 
that I think it's fair to um, to ask about. Two of the newcomers with him, number two on your list was Michael Pittman and Jonathan Taylor's impacting. Yeah, you know, I, I've said this many times, Chris, and a month from tomorrow in the fourth quarter, you know it's going to be close against Jacksonville because, hell, it always is down yep. there. Um, those two will touch the football. And, you know, Frank Reich mentioned today, Marlon Mack is, is the starter at running back, which mm-hmm. I think we all kind of knew, but, like, for our fantasy questions, um, I, I, I guess it was just good to hear that. But um, I am an adamant, adamant proponent or – um, whatever, for the Colts to play meaningful football in the month of January, Michael Pittman and Jonathan Taylor need to be significant contributors yeah. to this football team. I, I don't think you can afford for those two guys to flop, underwhelm, you know, hit a rookie wall. I think I think they've got to be big-time guys for you, guys you can count on in week one and week 16. So... Um, I think they're capable as well. And, and really, this is kind of where I draw the line on on the rookies. You know, who else? That's this camp storyline that I have. Of Does anyone else emerge in this rookie class? Because it's difficult, I think, for some of them, you know, to make that impact. We touched on it a few podcasts ago. You don't really need a lot of them. You know, Julian Blackman would be nice yep. for the second half of the season. But um, you aren't in a dire position where it's like, yep, that day three pick and that day three pick and that day three pick, you need all those guys. Oh, sure, a guy like Isaiah Rogers, the Marvell Tell News, helps his cause to not only make the football team but possibly factor into some, you know, sub-package stuff. But, um, you know, I always love watching the rookies. It's just, you know, everyone has that intrigue and the unknown. That that that, that curiosity is, is always top of mind. But, um. Pittman, Taylor, impact, day one. And being picked that high, they know that too. Oh, yeah. They know sure. exactly what's on their shoulders. Without a doubt. Without a doubt. All right, number three, let's jump into it. It's the questions that everyone wants to know, the COVID ramifications. Yeah, and, and I, I know we'll get our usual um, you know, Twitter questions about this, so maybe let's just hold off okay. until we get into Twitter time on that. But I, I stand by what I said earlier, and I guess I feel like I have to repeat myself a few times throughout the podcast, but I legitimately – believe that the NFL I had a buddy of mine you know text me today he's being like there's no way the NFL is going to do this right and it's just kind of like if you haven't been paying attention to the news cycle I can see why you wouldn't Mm -hmm. be optimistic but if you're legitimately paying attention and not not paying attention to necessarily what's going on in in the public and in the world which you know certainly matters but if you're actually seeing the numbers the NFL has produced a yep. heavy knock on wood, mm-hmm. you know. Ross Lovers out there, I know, sometimes says that that that, that I'm a jinxer. <laughs> I, you know, well, Jacoby Brissett said I jinxed him last year too. I don't know, but I, you know, the USA soccer song. I believe, yep. you know, mm-hmm. I believe. Love it. We all do. I hope we got a couple opening starting jobs, Kevin. Yeah, you know, this is something that we have mentioned. You know, Mike Linebacker is that open? Um. Obviously, the kicker. Yep. <laughs> uh, the starting defensive end spot opposite Jabal Sheard, excuse me, for Jabal Sheard opposite Justin Houston. Um, and then just little playing time stuff. You know, Rocky Senior, Xavier Rhodes, when you are in the base package, I know you're not in it a lot, but when you are in there, what does that look like? You know, what is your dime package? What do the running back carries look like? How do you split up 
the pass rush reps and who joins DeForest Buckner, Justin Houston, and you would hope a healthy Kamoko Ture on the field. Um, we're listening to uh, Jonathan Gannon, the Colts DB's coach, or excuse me, corner coach, met the media yesterday, and he mentioned how late last season, you know, his group very much struggled. You know, the past defense just shredded late yeah. late last season. He felt like it was a communication issue. They got some young guys in there, too much communication, and that impacted their play. They've eliminated some of that. Good. So, you know, how, how does that, you know, kind of impact things? I, I think that's another, you know, defensive storyline amongst, you know, maybe three open starting jobs. Uh, over there as well. Well, let's stay there with the defense. Uh, defense evolving. That's number five on your list. You know, this has been a storyline for several years now, and, and I guess especially last year and year two under Matt Eberflus, and I was pretty disappointed by the defense last season. Um, the run defense continues to be pretty good, mm-hmm. but in a pass-happy NFL, I'd rather it be flipped. And the pass defense really, really struggled. Um you know the the uh, the addition of DeForest Buckner. It goes without saying, just the trickle down effect that that can have for your defense. So, um, obviously that will be a big storyline. But when I say defense evolving, I probably mean more schematically, more chess match, more of that. You know, it's. I found myself early this morning waking up, and the Woj bomb happened pretty early, on the Nate McMillan news yeah. about a, a new contract extension for him. And while I think there are reasons to bring Nate back, there are reasons to be have some questions about Nate. Absolutely. And I think one of them comes down to how much of an advantage do the Pacers have on the sidelines night in and night out. And I think in the NBA, it matters more than the NFL. The NFL, um, and, and, and I say that by this because when you're in the market that the Pacers are in, they're never going to have as talented of a team as the upper echelon of the Eastern Conference. So where else can you get an, an advantage? Yeah. If you can get that in coaching, boom, that can help you out. That can steal a couple possessions in a game. In the NFL, I think coaching is a matters a whole lot, but I think when you're in a small market NBA team, it matters even more. So when I get when I think to this defense, I'm like, okay, can can you get that advantage schematically at all? You know, yes, you've improved your talent, but more creative. More disguising. You know, th- those are some things that, that I want to see um, from the defense in, um, in 2020. We talked about Pittman. We talked about Taylor and even mentioned Rodgers. What, uh, what about the other rookies this year? Um, Blackman would be the guy that I'm most um, – probably the most unknown about. You know, Danny Pintner, when you look at him – you know, year one meniscus, year one MCL away from all of a sudden, is he, is he playing a month for you? Yeah. You know, something like that. Um, I think th- that is where I'm at with these rookies. Eason, you know, of course, I don't expect him to take a snap unless, you know, a, a rash of injuries happen. Uh, Rob Windsor, I throw him in to competing for a roster spot. I like Jordan Glasgow to make the team. Mm-hmm. Um Patman would be the other one. I, I think outside looking in, you know, it, it's just tough. It, it's the lack of preseason game reps, I think, really hurts this group. Um, obviously, the undrafted class. Do we see any of those guys emerge? You know, a couple of guys in the secondary now have to 
you know, like what they've seen, of course, from Marvell Tell and Roland Milligan opting out. So um, rookie-wise, I, I still think it's Pittman and Taylor, and then it's just kind of like, okay, Rodrigo Blankenship, are you going to do do something for us? So yeah. that's kind of where I'm at with that with that rookie class. Awesome. Well, those are the six things that you have on your Colts, Colts training camp storylines. Anything else you want to touch on? No, I think that is it. Let's um let's go to that Naeem Hines interview. Okay. Um, let me fire off this text real fast. I'm doing a 20 minute segment for JMV today, so I'm trying to multitask. Um. So yeah, I had Hines on Friday. Uh, thanks to Matt Conti and the Colts PR department for setting that up. Uh, you know, I had a couple people reach out to me after the interview and like, wow, I'd never heard Naeem Hines and I'm in awe just uh, of the type of person and um, seems so genuine and, and I love it because he loves golf. So, of course, him and I <laughs> had to chat a little bit about that. This was taped Friday, so that's my PGA Championship questions that I had to ask him. Um, so, yeah, here is the Naeem Hines interview on uh, Friday. Um, first, I got to ask about the golf game. I was observing on, on, on Instagram during the offseason. Looked like you were playing some – I was jealous of some of those courses you were you, you were playing. It looked like you got a lot of golf in this year. Oh, yeah. You know, I was back home in North Carolina. You know, North Carolina, I'd like to uh, biasly say, has some of the best courses in the uh, country. So, uh, got some uh, great courses, uh, knew some great people at great places, and shot a couple – a few good rounds. So, what, trying to get the game right. What are a few good rounds for Naeem Hines? Uh, 84 is my best. Solid. So, uh, I've been golfing uh, the past two off seasons, so about eight or nine months. So anytime I get shooting the 80s is a good day for me. So I uh, shot 84, 86 a couple of times, 88. Then, you know, the rest of the time is normally 90. I don't know much under unless it's a uh, bad day. And uh, when it's a bad day, I just drink a couple more beers and it's still a good day. So. <laughs> Everybody in their car right now nodding their head at that. Um, are you the best player on the team? Oh, no, probably not. Who is, you think? Absolutely not. Ryan Kelly's pretty good. Uh, I played with Phil Rivers. He's pretty good. I'm not sure who the best guy is, but I know like guys like Ryan and uh, Mark Golinski are pretty good, and even our coach Kevin. Uh, our Kevin is really good too. So, uh, you know, I uh, got a little bit of competition, but you know, I was golfing with Ryan, Philip, and some of those guys, and I've learned a lot from them. So, just around, I played with them. That's such a quarterback thing to be good at golf. Quarterbacks and kickers, <laughs> I feel like, are always always good at golf. Um. Well, how weird has this offseason been for you football-wise from a from a workout standpoint, weight room standpoint? How normal or how abnormal was it for you in terms of training before you got back to Indy? Um, it was it was very abnormal. Just, you know, like from April to June, we're here. I get to see the guys. Uh, miss the team a lot. Uh, you know, it was cool. Like, you know, like even though COVID was unfortunate, it was cool to be back home. You know, I have sick family members and sick mom. So it was cool to, you know, be back you know, home, spend extra time with them that I normally wouldn't spend. But, you know, you know, I love football and love this team and love the guys. So uh, it was really weird. Um, got a, I actually had to spend a lot more time on the track. So I was – I couldn't wait to get back to Indy because I promise you I was just running so hard and killing myself on the track. So uh, selfishly for me, I wanted to get back so I didn't have to do any more track workouts. But uh, excited for, you know, the team we put together. Excited to get Phillip on board and some uh, new additions like Trey and some Trey Burton and some other guys. And, uh, you know, excited to talk to those guys and see them and see what they can do on the field. Did you say that that your mom was sick? Was that COVID related? Oh no, just uh, you know, like uh, my mom. Uh, nobody in my family had COVID. Uh, my gotcha. mom has muscular dystrophy, so uh, you know, she didn't get to come to all the games. And uh, every game she comes to, I score a touchdown. So uh, maybe this year we'll get her just some more games. But uh, you know, spending you know, just grandparents are getting older, and you know, I'm getting older, but all the older people, people older than me aren't getting any younger. So uh, perspective-wise, it was a 
that was the only blessing about COVID, just, you know, staying at home and uh, right. being able to spend time with extra family. Naeem Hines, Colts running back, wide out. I think kick returner, punt returner here in 2020 as well. Join us here on the Dan Dockett Show. Kevin Bowen filling in. Um, currently at the complex, we've heard about contact tracers, one-way hallways, obviously wearing masks. How different has that been for you? And uh, what is kind of a, a normal day like at the complex? Um, just, you know, it's weird. You know, every day you have, there's a drive-through. We get uh, COVID tested every day before we go in the building. We have an off day tomorrow. Still have to wake up and get COVID testing. Then, uh, you know, just mask everywhere. The contact tracers, they beat bread. We have to uh, scatter for two close to somebody. And, uh, you know, it's, that's been weird. But other than that, you know, it's just been, it's been – it hasn't been normal, but, you know, it's been like almost our football normal, you know, just plays and stuff. We we try we, – you know, we like we huddle and stuff. But, like, other than like, you know, other than that, like we try not to be as close, which is really weird. You can't really – like you don't really touch the guys. Like, you know, we just bump and stuff now. We don't dap each other up, elbows and stuff. Uh but, uh, you know, the Colts, you know, that's one thing that's good about us. We we do everything the right way. We try to win the right way. They teach us things the right way. So, you know, we're taking all the precautions we can to be safe and uh, do things the right way. Before we get into a little, little football talk, I did want to ask about, um, you know, guys opting out around the league. Did, did you have any reservations about playing this season? Oh, no, absolutely not. I wanted to be here for the team and uh, wanted to just, you know, be here uh, if, if humanly possible. It, you know, things weren't going on in my family and uh, – that's that's what happened, and the Lord blessed me with that. And uh, I'm sure there's guys who opted out for a lot of reasons. Uh, you know, a new kid being born might be something, and uh, a lot of other reasons. But uh, I'm I didn't think about opting out, and uh, happy to be here. Yeah, I was talking earlier before you came on, Naeem. When you look at the Colts in 2020, when Phil Rivers was signed, I thought you and Paris Campbell would benefit the most from that. Um, so take me back to March, I guess, when Rivers was signed and just your early impressions and how him coming in here could impact your role and your effectiveness. Um, you know, just uh, Philip being first off, uh, he's been a great quarterback. You know, he went to the same college as me, so I've heard nothing but uh, stories about him since, you know, I've been in – I'm from Raleigh, so hearing all those stories about him from college to – being, you know, in the NFL and, uh, you know, just keeping an eye on them because, you know, just as a, um, like uh, having the same alma mater, you always check on the guys who are doing things around the league. And uh, for me personally, I was excited. Uh, he he uh, messaged me the first day. He was real fiery, real passionate guy. So uh, I've heard my whole life that, you know, he's really passionate about football, loves football. And, you know, it's, it's contagious. You know, I love football too. So it's always great to be around a guy who you can talk football with, him, uh, you know, who loves the game. So for me, I personally, I was excited. You know, I know he has a knack for a, uh, throwing the, the woodheads, the sprolls, and uh, pass-catching backs like me, which is uh, really cool. So uh, I smiled a little bit and uh, was really excited, screenshotted and sent it, sent it to friends and family as soon as it was official. <laughs> uh, well, the, uh, you know, the uh, Colts saying that we signed them. Right. And, uh, you know, having a look back, uh, texting them, just trying to keep up with them, let them know if there's anything I could do better, watch some film, ask them some questions before I got here so I could be on my A game when we, when I, we got here and uh, – We'll try to take off this season and have a great year. You had to be in diapers when Philip Rivers was playing for NC State. <laughs> I remember his last year at NC State. He was there from like 2000 to 2003. I was born in 1996. So I, I can remember him, uh, his last year in 2003 a little bit. I remember some of the good games he played. Naeem Hines joining us here on the Dan Dockett Show. Kevin Bowen filling in for Dan. I, I feel like when the Colts get third down, fourth down this year, you are the guy on the field. You know, Frank Reich's talked about it. Nick Nick Sirianni's talked about your role on third down. But then also on, on fourth down, I thought one of the biggest, uh, you know, 
promises, if you will, or best things that happened to this team late last season was your emergence as a return man. When you look at your role for 2020, is that what you see as kind of that main third down back and then also helping this team as a punt returner and possibly kick returner as well? Yes, absolutely. That's, uh, you know, that's, that's how I see the role. Uh, hopefully I get to come in on first and second down, you know, run the ball sometimes, uh, to keep them honest, not to get passed all the time. But, uh, you know, when it comes to my role, uh, I, you know, we have things and what we envision what our role could be. You know, things happen like last year, injuries happen, things happen. And uh, whatever my role is, hopefully it's that. But uh, I'll, I'm going to do my best to just whatever the role is or whatever I'm asked to do, that's what I'm going to do. Uh, I want to help this team win, and uh, I've, never, I've never been a me guy. So if it's playing less or playing more, uh, whichever way it is, uh, you know, I, I just want to do that to help the team win. And, you know, punt return-wise and kick return-wise, i got to earn that spot. Uh, just because last year happened, uh, that was last year. So uh, got to go out there and make good decisions and, uh, you know, just do what I'm supposed to do and do the routine things. And if I do the routine things, I think uh, I'll have a pretty good year, and I think uh, it'll help us as a team if we all focus and do the routine things. How big of a jolt was that Carolina game for you last year? I know that you, you, you've talked about that preseason struggles that you had in 2018, but getting another chance to go back there in regular season games and then obviously, you know, doing a whatever you set an NFL record, I'm pretty sure, for all the punt return yards in that game. How, how, how important was that for you mentally? It was great. Uh, you know, just uh, even throughout the uh, – Throughout the you know the rookie year and the struggles, uh, there was a lot of negative negativity going on, and I you know I had to listen to the one person that who believed they could do it, and that was me. So uh, every day throughout the struggles, I went out there every day, caught balls. Even when I wasn't returning my rookie year, I caught balls every day. Stayed, probably one of the last ones to leave the field, and uh, that still hasn't changed. I still do that now. I've been catching a bunch of balls, and you know it's just uh, with work and all that, it comes confidence. You just got to keep working, and uh, you know. Preparation is equal success, so uh, you got to prepare for that moment. And I've been, I was preparing for that moment for 15, 16 weeks in an NFL year. So when I went back there, I wasn't nervous. I knew what to do, and uh, I took off from there. So uh, excited, and, you know, not just me. It's those other 10 guys. And the whole year I was back there, you know, they blocked well. Uh, and they had faith and trust in me, and I had faith in them, trust in them to do their jobs too. So uh, I just go out there and try to make those guys right. And, you know, it's a lot easier for me when I'm catching the ball back there and they've been blocking a guy for four seconds. So when you're doing that, that's a hard thing to do in the NFL. So I just try to, you know, pay them off a little bit and just get a good return for them so they can, you know, just let them know, let them know that uh, the work they're doing isn't, you know, taken for granted. When's the last time you've played in front of a 5,000-person crowd? High school. <laughs> you think it'll be yeah, weird? High school. Uh, it might be a little bit weird, but you know, it, it goes on. It goes back to focus. Uh, when away games, you know, when we're away games like Kansas City, the Seattle's of the world, they teach you not to focus on the crowd noise. So now it's just inverted. Uh, now you have to focus. Now you have to focus on <laughs> there not being a crowd, which you know is weird. But uh, you know, the, the name of the game is football, and uh, with or without the crowd, it's still football. And uh, you know, that's what I used to tell myself when I was a rookie. There's more people screaming in the NFL. And I'm like, hey, it's the thing, same thing you've been doing since you were eight years old. So. Uh, the same thing we have to do. Um, gonna be excited to go out there and play with those guys, and uh, with or without the crowd, I hope we have a crowd. Uh, if we don't, we don't. Uh, Got to go out there and focus and try to do my job to the best of my ability. You got a pick here for the PJ Championship? I don't know. I, I was actually watching it a little bit yesterday. I didn't. I didn't see much. I saw a little bit of Phil and uh, Bryson, and uh, you know Ricky Fowler and some other guys. But I haven't actually kept up with the scores. But uh, I'll be off tomorrow and. Uh, off early tonight, so I'll probably have a good uh, proposition probably at about about 6.30 today. 
Yeah, Bryson breaking that driver yesterday. That was. Uh, I did that. See was, that. I didn't see how he broke it. Did he? So did he have another driver? I saw the highlights, but uh. So uh, yeah, I, I believe. I believe his swing coach went to the truck or went to the car. And I, I'm pretty sure every player has a backup driver, you know, just in case. Okay. And, and if you do break it during a round and you don't break it, like snap it over your leg, like actually break it because you swung too hard or hit a rock or something like that, then then you are able to to go to the backup club. But that was that was just awesome to see. Well, I'm not sure exactly what happened, but I heard he had a 425 yard drive sometime in the past week or so yeah so, uh, yeah he did a couple he, tournaments ago it's he, wow. he, he he's a video game created player you know like 99 and wow. power in madden or strength in madden that is bryson DeChambeau on the golf course i just want to hit a drive if i hit like a 280 yard drive, that's a good drive for me. <laughs> i was gonna say I, I have a feeling ryan kelly and mark Lewinsky probably hit it by you but you might have oh, a better ryan short game David. than those guys I, I, I like to think that's the best part of my game. I've had, you know, a lot of uh, chip-ins. Uh, I was at Pinehurst at the cradle, had a, a hole-in-one. It was about 80 yards out. So uh, God, pretty good with my so 56. That's my favorite call, the 56 and the 48. So uh, may not be the best. If I can just keep it driving the fairway, normally my uh, my my uh, iron game and short game can hopefully take over. Do you have a favorite course in Indy? I know you probably play a lot more during the off season, but do you have a favorite um, course here? Uh, I do like I like a, a Prairie View a lot. Prairie View, yeah. Prairie View, Prairie up, View. Up in Carmel, yeah. At, uh, yep, been to River Glen a couple times, and uh, those are the two I played the most. Uh, I went to Hillcrest too. Hillcrest was very, very nice. Yeah, my so, uh, my father-in-law. I played the most. My father-in-law actually belongs there. They got some great greens at Hillcrest. A lot of trees. But, man, uh, that rough, man. You hit, you don't hit, if you hit in the. I almost lost a couple balls just uh, not hitting the fairway like normal and. Uh, I'd be like a yard or two off the fairway, and my ball's just tucked in, and uh, you know it's hard to find. But uh, yeah, it is that was a challenging course because sometimes I hit it out that you know the Bermuda grass, great, and be short. Then I would club up and hit it over the green. It was just it was giving me some fits. I'm not yeah, gonna lie to you. it is much much different grass here up in Indiana compared to what you're used to. So, well, hopefully the weather stays nice. You can get out maybe on an off day or two, and most importantly, hope your mom's able to come up and watch you play this year, Naeem, and expecting a big year from you. And uh, thank you for the time today. Thank you guys for the time. Uh, thanks for having me on. Hope to be on again. There he is. Naeem Hines. What a great guy. Third and fourth down, Chris. I, I think he's going to be that guy. I think this year he's going to be that guy. Um, I know I've said this when he had his 2018 struggles, you know, fielding punts and, you know, he wore 42 and looked like, um, what's the running back? Comer. Is that the running back in Friday Night Lights? Was Comer 42? <laughs> You know, I think so. You know, when you're a senior, Comer, your your girlfriend <laughs> can't be wearing 42 in the stands, man. Come on now. She wants 21 on her chest. Um, he needed a number change, and it goes back to the kind of the character aspect. You know, that was the first draft with Brian Decker in their building, and, like, Naeem Hines has a high character. Mm-hmm. And that means when adversity hits and you drop three punts and you can't field them, how do you react? Do you hit a wall? Does that define your career, or do you change some things? And I think he's been able to change it. So credit to him, and uh, I know he's a favorite of ours on this podcast, and uh, I, I expect him to have a big year. Ready to jump into some Twitter questions? Yes, 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 yes. Let's do them. We got a good amount of them this week. Some of them we'll get to from last week as well. As you said, you got to go fill in for JMV, so we will try and get through these fairly quickly. But Stan's going to kick it off this week. We talk a lot about the Colts. 
that are underrated by the national media, but which Colts are most underrated by our own fans? He immediately thinks of Grover Stewart, Al-Qadeen Muhammad, Braden Smith, and Jordan Wilkins. Stan, I agree on the first three. Stewart, Muhammad, and Smith were probably the three that immediately came to mind. Jordan Wilkins, I think if you ask fans, they think he should be the starting running back. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know if I'm going to go there. Um, I think Rigoberto Sanchez, in all honesty, is a little underrated. I know some people probably don't want to go there. Uh, but al Muhammad, Grover Stewart, Braden Smith, for sure, atop that list. I think we lose sight of the reliability that Jack Doyle gives this offense. Mm-hmm. And, like, they don't realize how much Frank Reich plays him. He plays a – if you look at the amount of snaps Jack Doyle plays, it is right up there with the main tight ends in the NFL. Mm-hmm. I mean, Kelsey, Ertz, those type of guys. So, if, <laughs> that's good enough for Frank Reich. I mean, you lose Jack Doyle, now you're scrambling to try and replace that guy. So, I would throw him on that list as well. Anton wants to know, with the NFL not doing the bubble – what makes it different from the disaster the MLB is, and why should this succeed? Well, Anton, l- l- listen to last week's podcast. I mean, I, I certainly hit on it. Um, in-, in short, better testing, more testing, better protocols. Um, there's less travel. How many times do I have to say that? Mm-hmm. There's so much less travel in the NFL than Major League Baseball. I also think the whole fear factor. I mean, we've talked about it. The Marlins and the Cardinals and the Lou Williams. And there is a fear factor of I don't want to be the person that lets down everybody in this locker room and their families and potentially the entire league. Yeah. You know, it's one of those things where it's like you get caught the first time drinking. Okay. You get caught two and three times and you start impacting other people with those actions. Now it's like, all right. You know, I might need to, you know, calm some things down here. And that's what that's where the NFL benefits. And I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I want to say it's – I think it's like four guys have gone on the reserve COVID list in the last four days. That's like 8,000 tests. Yeah. Four guys. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's really, really good. It's very good. Jordan's question this week, what are your thoughts on the Taylor Stallworth signing? It's always good to have depth – but felt like we looked pretty good at defensive tackle. You know, when I first saw it, I thought, what happened to Dante Stallworth? <laughs> he was good. He was good. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. Is he a... Oh, he's a Vol. I was going to say, oh, he's yeah. a Vol, right? Yes. Dante Stallworth had some swagger to him. Yeah, he did. Um, Sometimes too much. Yeah, yeah. Those SEC wideouts, though. You never know, <laughs> That's man. That's true. Taylor Stallworth, when I first saw it, I'm like, damn, Chris Bauer's a man of his word. He loves that deep defensive line group. Um, he's played 18 games for the Saints. And I when I see his fit here, I'm like, okay, he's probably more of the wider body think playing behind Grover Stewart. Mm-hmm. So the guys you throw in there is kind of Rob Windsor, although he's bigger than Windsor. Um, maybe Sheldon Day, although I like I think Sheldon Day's got some got some wiggle to him. I, yep. I love Sheldon Day's Me wiggle. Too. Um, but certainly I think he's more in that mold. Now the question you have is there is just does he make the team? You know, that's obviously no lock. I just think when you cut down defensive line, Chris, you're going to be cutting a couple names that are like, oh, wow, they have a resume. And, like, don't be alarmed by it. They're going to have to cut they some guys to. that are either it's going to be a draft pick like Windsor, it's going to be a guy like Tyquan Lewis who just is underperformed, it's going to be a guy like Stallworth who has, you know, 20 games of experience. Like, 
sometimes you just cut guys to positions and you're like, wow, they've played as much as I have in the NFL. Other times you cut guys that are a little bit more notable. D-line, squarely on Ballard's mind, that wasn't meant to rhyme. Um, <laughs> you're going to cut some notable names. It's a great position to be in. Yeah, oh, it's just You'd awesome. rather be in that position. And Ballard knows it. I mean, he know, I mean, he he's admitted. I've kind of, you know, I've probably waited a little too long. I just haven't taken care of defensive line as much as I and it should, and think back to like some of the mistakes. The miss on Basham. Mm-hmm. So you've still been searching for an edge rusher. You, you miss on Lewis thinking he's the ideal 3 technique. So now it's oh god, I got to go definitely go get Buckner. Like that, you know, those things kind of stress the need. Um, to put Band-Aids or, you know, maybe stitch up what you thought you could put a Band-Aid on. Drew wants to know, if the season is canceled, do you think the players' contracts carry over to next season or do they lose a year and the people on a one-year deal or final year of a contract become free agents? Separate question, how do you think it should be handled? I assume that they would just carry over. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong on that, Chris, or um, Drew, Chris, who cares? <laughs> Ah, uh, no, this is Drew Rush. I, I, I need to be nicer. Um, I don't know. I guess that makes sense. Like, what do you, I mean, it's difficult. Like, what, what else do you do? Yeah. It, it's, um, it's a tough, tough situation. Um, I don't have a great answer there. Long one from Jared this week. Put the thinking cap on. Hypothetically, oh boy. breaking Colts long, fans' man. hearts everywhere. An hour before the opt-out deadline, Rivers, Jacoby, T.Y., Ryan Kelly, Houston, and Malik Hooker all decide to opt out. Frank and Chris are scrambling, knowing Eason is going to get trial by fire this year when all of a sudden a genie appears. Mm. He is allowing Frank and Chris to pick one pass Colt great to help fill all the holes other than quarterback. You are guaranteed to get a full 16 games out of this person's prime career with no injuries. Who do you take? Reggie Wayne to fill the wide receiver void. Jeff Saturday to shore up the offensive line, Mathis to help with the edge rush, Sanders to help mold and cover the secondary. By the way, loves the podcast. Keep up the great work. Hope the family is doing well. Oh, thank you, Jared. Um, family is great. Although Rosie just owned me the other night. <laughs> Get used to it, my oh, man. man. Nothing like an 11-pound <laughs> human just dominating me. Um, boy, uh, this is wild. Just one season. One season, prime okay. of career, no injuries. Okay. And you said T.Y., Kelly. Houston, Jacoby, and Rivers, and Hooker all oh, opt out. Basically, the team, we're basically the Patriots. I was going to say, yeah, I mean, worse than that. You're the freaking Indiana Firebirds. <laughs> um, Touchdown, Eddie Brown, baby. Okay, so if Easton's under center and you're losing that much, I know full well we're probably drafting top ten. I mean that's that, that's not a good situation there. So I the only thing on my mind at that point is what makes Jacob Eason feel comfortable, develop. So I'm squarely looking at offense. I would say Reggie. And Reggie did a whole lot for Andrew in 2012. Mm-hmm. You know, coming back, he did. You know, You're right. he turned down New England, came back in that 2012 season. So what helps my rookie quarterback? The whole Ryan Kelly debate is enticing because, um, you know, if you bring Jeff Saturday, you know, maybe you alleviate a little bit off Kelly or Eason's plate, and that helps him out. But um, which the Colts thought about, right? But he was he lost too much weight after he left the Packers. Oh yeah, I kind of forgot about that. Yeah, yeah, he did lose a whole lot of weight. Um, 
let's go with Wayne. Okay. I like Wayne in that situation. I think it just helps Eason get into it. Um, so, yeah. Wow. Fascinating, Jared. Zach's question this week is about a player that we just mentioned, and a lot of clips have been coming up on Twitter this week with him showing just how dominant he was that people forgot. Bob Sanders. If he stays relatively healthy, and by relatively healthy we mean playing 75% of the games during his 10-year career, what does his legacy look like? Is he a future Hall of Famer? Yeah, I think he is. 10-year career, you're mm-hmm. playing 12 games a year. Um, not ideal, but – and I, I think there is a longevity component that is needs to be factored in with Hall of Famers. I do, but I mean – if you're projecting his career out 10 years, he won one defensive player of the year. I'd assume he would have won another. Yeah. I would assume he would have won another Super Bowl. So, I mean, two Super Bowls, two NFL defensive player of the years. I don't think you're shutting the door at too many guys at can. And he played 10. Right. It's not like he played six or eight. So, um, boy, those, those highlight films that I saw this week. Wired differently. He is. Wired, definitely. Saw him a few years ago at Marvin Harrison and Tony Dunn. Nice guy um, at their Hall of Fame induction. Yeah. Wired, definitely. From Matt, five years from now, looking back, which of these players will Ballard regret letting go of? Desir, Kane, Ebron, possibly Hooker. Loves the pod. Hope you and the family are staying safe and healthy. Same to you, Matt, and certainly all of our listeners. Um, Probably Kane. And I go back to, like, there was no need to let Kane go. You didn't need the roster spot. And, like, in a way, it was Chris Ballard talking out of two sides of his mouth. He always says, you know, 18 months for ACLs. It can take a long time. I mean, Kane was what? He toured in August and was cut in late October, early November, so 15 months? I mean, you know, he hadn't even reached the whole 18 months. Um so when you don't need the roster spot, why not develop? Why not develop a little bit longer? Um, you know, Hooker, I guess, maybe. Uh, you're a little deeper into the Hooker career, though. I, I just thought you never gave Kane a true chance. It's like, you know, you see, a, I don't know, a horse run around a track one time, two times. You're kind of like, nope, no no chance. Well, let's groom. Let's make sure they're healthy. Let's. You don't you, – you have the resources – to try and develop. Um, so, yeah that, yeah, that that would be the one. Yeah, and I feel like the players felt like he was different, too. You can tell yeah. when a guy's different, and they felt like he had that potential. Well, I mean, the dude caught 20 touchdowns in three years at Clemson. Yeah. 20 touchdowns in three years at Clemson. <laughs> I mean, shit, I... <laughs> <sighs> All right, Tal's got some... Uh, <laughs> got a pretty funny one for you here. First off, welcome to the dad club. And he wants to make Thank sure you're you investing in plenty of khaki shorts and white sneakers. <laughs> Trust me, I got all those, man. I, I'm like in the debate of like, like this shirt I'm currently wearing. I'm not gonna lie, Chris Presley, it, it had a little spit up on it about 10 a.m. today. Um, but I just felt like, you know what? I'm not gonna throw it in the laundry. I'm just gonna get a little cloth on it, wipe it down, and I can't be throwing everything. No, you into wipe the it off and you keep it moving. Can you, you have tell? to? No, not at all. All right. And our listeners can't either. They can't. Right. See Thanks. Yeah. I'm glad Cheeks <laughs> is in there. Uh, but his question this week, he loves Ballard, but he feels like. Uh, we let him off the hook for the Jacoby extension last year. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, it's all it's it, it's tough. I, hindsight's twenty twenty, so it sounds a lot easier right now. You got to remember, Jacoby Brissett first off did a very nice job representing himself mm-hmm. in that contract negotiation. You know what else did the Colts 
half like they were backed into a corner. Yeah. Andrew Luck just retired. Jacoby just become the starter. Jacoby wants to get paid like a starter. Um welcome to business. Welcome to you know, talk about return on your investment. I mean, he's playing the most important position in sports, as I always say. Hindsight again is 2020. Could you have front loaded that deal a little bit more? That is something that I think is should have been explored. Could it have been a, could it have been explored a little bit more? Um, I think that makes a lot of sense to me. But Brissett had a whole lot of leverage. Yeah, and it helps when you got guys like Bill Parcells, who's a mentor, coming out saying that you're a great young man and you know a great prospect and this, that, and the other. And, and the Colts believed, which yeah. is probably where the mis the misevaluation happens here. Is the Colts legitimately thought he could be their starter moving forward? So that I think is where you would probably have more of the issue. Um, yes, probably should have been front loaded a little bit more. Um, God, they are obsessed with Brissett, aren't they? <laughs> They are, but, you know, at the same time, they, they told them no. Okay, KB, we all know who your week one starting running back will be, but who will your starting running back be the last week of the season? You got Taylor or Mac, and that's from Zach. Um, well, probably Mac. And, and like, it's just kind of like, and this is no discredit to the question, but it's almost like, who cares? Like, it comes down to who gets the most carries, you know? I go back to um, 2006 Super Bowl year. I don't think a die started a game, and he was your lead back. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Rhodes had a huge Super Bowl, but it just comes down to who has the more carries. And, you know, F Frank Reich was very bullish today on Marlon Mack being the starter, as he should be. He was a 1,000-yard rusher for an NFL team last year and has shown great trajectory through his first three seasons, and you aren't going to play a single preseason game. So yeah. I think Marlon Mack will be the starter for a chunk of this season. It's just where does the carry count come? If it's 18 to 10 week one, is it, you know, flip 14 to four, I guess 14 to 14 or 16, 12 late in the year. Does that happen? Um, I still think barring injury, it's Mack, but I don't, I don't know. I don't lose sleep over that one as much as other people. I don't, I think it's, um, I kind of trust the Colts to, to to figure that out. You got a couple backs that are pretty talented, and um, I know it's it's interesting, and I'm curious about it just as much as everyone else. But you know, yeah. Jonathan Taylor two extra carries a game, Marlon Mack two. Yeah, what's the difference? The guy who gets announced running out of the right the horse, like the the horse. Who you like? you yeah, you know you are subbing a whole lot, and you're riding the hot hand in the fourth quarter. This is from Greg. The Athletic is ranking best comebacks in sports history. Where would you put the Chiefs wild card game comeback on that list? And sports I, history. Yeah. Wow. Well, I mean, there's probably a lot of comebacks that I don't know a whole lot about. Um, I mean, I'd put it very high on the list for the NFL. Very high. You got Bills, Oilers, one. Right. You would think. Um, when I think back to Colts Chiefs, the, the the play that you know everyone remembers the luck fumble, Superman and Hilton, you know, over the top and Mathis strip sack on Alex Smith. I I always think back to the comeback never starts unless Derek Rogers. Bingo, Vol. Another Vol. Wow, two Vol wide. That was that's what I think of too. 
literally, Derek Rogers with like a 45-yard catch when you're getting your ass kicked. It's like 38-10. Mm-hmm. You're getting blown out. You know, it's like, all right, what bars in India are open right now? And boom, Derek Rogers makes a play that just – it's similar to the, the, the comeback in Tampa Bay in 2003. You know, everyone wants to talk about uh, Ricky Williams scoring and Marvin's touchdown and all that. It's Brad Pyatt's kick return. Yep. That ignites everything. It's a play that kind of gets lost in it all. Um, boy, Derek Rogers, man. What, what could have name. been. But, yeah, I, I, I'd put it high on the list, Greg. Kevin wants to know, um, or pardon me, Aaron wants to know, which current Colt would make the best hockey enforcer? Mm. And I feel like you've already named him this podcast. Oh, really? I don't think I have. The best enforcer would be Matthew Adams. Oh, okay. Never mind. Yeah. Who are you going with? Hockey's all about the playoff beard. And who's got the best beard? <laughs> Glow? No, I was going uh, Doyle. Jack Doyle. A guy who likes to chip, not afraid yeah, to hit. He does. Does his job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, That uh, that that's fair. But you got you to gotta be crazy. You do have to be crazy. <laughs> Jack Doyle isn't crazy. No. I think Matthew Adams is crazy. This one is from Kevin. Do you think college football shutdown will affect the NFL's decision to play or not? Uh, no, I think the NFL beats their own drum, man. I think an asteroid could hit Europe, and they'd be like, oh, is Wembley still okay? Can we play a game over there? I mean, yeah, seriously. No, I, yeah. I, I'm sure you monitor it a little bit, but let's be honest. The amount of resources and the liability factor is vastly different in, you know, this has been collectively bargained yeah. <laughs> through the Players Association and the NFL, so... No, I, I honestly I don't. Obviously, you're you're curious about the ramifications of the draft, of the combine, of a spring season, all those things. And you know, if and boy, I part of me really hopes the SEC and the ACC and the Big Twelve can can trudge forward. But um, you wonder if that doesn't happen, do you move these Thursday night games to Saturday night? You know, could that help with safety? Mm-hmm. Now you aren't playing on the short weeks. The players would love it. So, and, and you're at least in the in that Saturday night, you know, prime slot. From Fabio, is there any cornerback worth giving a chance as a free agent at this point? Eh. He said corner. You said is there a corner? Cornerback, yes. You know, I mentioned a few names last week. Tremaine Johnson. Everyone wants to talk about Logan Ryan. He's a slot. I mean, you don't need a slot. More uh, Morris Claiborne. Uh, Drake Kirkpatrick, I think, is up there. You know, it's those longer outside guys that I think you would look into. But again, it's um, those guys. I think are only going to come here if there is definite playing time open. You know, definite playing time open. So, um, I just think it's something to where you would need one more injury for those guys really to want to come here. Having said that, Xavier Rose's health is monumental. Mm-hmm. Monumental to um to this team. You know, him and Rocky seen both of them, because you've lost that long outside corner. Roger, Isaiah Rogers, he's not really that. We know Kenny Moore can be that, but you'd like him in the slot. You know, uh, TJ Carey, is he more of a slot than an outside? I know he's played both, but still. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't... Maybe kick the tires on one of those guys, but do those guys want to come in your building? That's the other thing you have, you have to remember. 
Sam wants to know, could you see the Colts having two 1,000-yard rushers in Mack and Taylor this year? Um, No. No, I mean, it's, hard. it's just hard, man. That's a whole lot of yards. <laughs> Philip Rivers is a gunslinger. I, I, I know there might be some games he only throws it 18 times. How about that gift? That, that gift. Un-freaking-believable. I tweeted, I'm tweet every time he scores a touchdown i will tweet every, every time he throws a touchdown i will tweet that gif that it's just, so funny <laughs> it is just so dad d a freaking d i wonder if they told him to do it or if they're like just do something that's just what he came He's up like, with oh this is my this is my go-to <laughs> this is my tiktok video these kids are like dang it dad not the guns oh, can you imagine his daughters <laughs> um yeah two thousand yard rushers is just it's just a lot you know it's and you need them both to be healthy for sure as well so no. Craig wants to know how many players can go on the practice squad this year. He's heard that some are protected on the practice squad so they can't be taken by another team. Is that true? Who would you protect? Yeah, you've got 16 that can be on the practice squad this year. I believe um, like eligibility for practice squad gets thrown out the window as well. You know, Usually it's like, how many cured seasons do you have? Mm-hmm. So I think that's thrown out. Um, as far as protection, I'm always going to protect an offensive lineman. Um, maybe a quarterback. <laughs> you know, I assume Jacob Eason would be on your 53-man roster, but, you know, if you really are afraid about that position, maybe you protect a quarterback. You know, you always want to protect your um, your draft picks. Yep. Um, so certainly them. I, I think wherever you have the least amount of depth. So that could be a fluid situation of what your roster looks like week to week. But, um... Those would be the areas that I would be looking into. Derek's question this week stems a little bit off of something you mentioned two questions ago. Can you please tell him your thoughts on Logan Ryan getting picked up by us, if it's possible, and how would he fit? Yeah, I, I, I'm going to say no. Um, you need long outside corners. You know, um, he's a slot guy. You have Kenny Moore. I just think, yeah, I, I, I think that's what it comes down to. Race question, how much better will the defense be with the addition of DeForest Buckner? Very. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, it, it's it, it's going to be a lot better. And, and I come back to what I said earlier. You know, your run defense has been pretty good under Matt Eberflus. It's the past defense yeah. where you've really, really struggled. And so I think his disruption, his ability to muddy up the interior of, of opposing pockets is just so critical, and it's been so needed. And that's where he's going to help this defense a whole lot. And I think Buckner's very honest. You know, I, I tweeted out a story last week and, and and used the line, Chris, of it's time. You know, the Colts gave up a whole lot to trade for DeForest Buckner. It's time for them to feel the return. That was not meant as, as a shot at Chris Ballard. It's acknowledging the magnitude of that trade. Yeah. I know I said it back in March in this podcast. Go find me trades where top 15 draft picks are given up for players. Make a list of them, send it to me, and find me when, where defensive tackles rank on that list as well. Mm-hmm. And then not to mention, you go give that guy $100 million. Yeah. I mean, th- this was twofold. This was a draft pick and then mm-hmm. the massive extension as well. This is not some T.J. Warren type of deal and you get him for three years on a very reasonable contract. You, you, you paid the dude. So, again, I get it. I understand it. But if you give up that value, you better get a whole lot 
in return. And again, I think Buckner has been very honest. I need to be an all pro. That's an individual goal that he has. He's never been a first team mm-hmm. all pro. You know, that's that's honest. I think it's uh, necessary as well. And there is a big expectation on his shoulders. But I also think he's got a very unique makeup and very unique style. And that position has lended itself towards guys hitting their prime late 20s into their 30s. Cameron Hayward, yeah. Donald, you know, mm-hmm. Chris Jones. You know, these guys that have reached that second contract have really hit their best years then. That's Buckner now. Cody's question is one that we really got to think about now. With a lot of college football being canceled, how much pressure is on the scouting staff? It feels like the 2021, it feels like 2021 could be another year where it's smarter to trade a first round pick for a proven NFL player rather than a kid that might not have a lot of film to evaluate. So my mom is babysitting Rosie right now. Yeah. And my wife wants me to text my mom and ask her how it's going, maybe ask for a pick. I'm like, Jesus. I mean, what do you think? Do you think she's, you know, got her outside doing wind sprints in the backyard in the heat? If there's anyone you can trust with your child, it right. is your mother. Right? You would hope. Um, <laughs> that's just, it's such a mom thing. I mean, yeah, it is so, so such a mom thing. Um, okay. Area scouts will be monumental. They mean so much. So, Chris Presley, you have the Southeast. How well do you know the coaching staffs yep. of those Southeast schools? Because that's what you're relying on for character. You know, th- think back to the Jacob Eason scouting process. The Colts sent Brian Decker to Seattle. They sent Ed Dodds. The most, the two most important people to Chris Ballard in that building, non-Frank Reich division. He sends them on a plane to Seattle to go scout Jacob Eason. Mm-hmm. That can't happen this year. Right. That's very unlikely to happen this year. So how do you get that intel? How do you get that information? It's the area scouts that have cultivated those relationships with those universities. So it's going to come down to that. And it's also going to come down to when you are, you know, when you're Chris McGeha and you're the West Coast scout for the Colts and you're at USC's practice, did you watch some of the other guys that weren't draft eligible? Um, that's key as well. So, man, it's it, it's huge, dude. Guys are going to fall through cracks. I don't – I'm never a big fan of trading the first-round picks. So, and I also think the Colts financially need a first-round rookie on a rookie deal. Mm-hmm. You know, you're kind of playing with fire if you start doing that year in and year out. But, um, you know, some guys are going to fall through the cracks. Yeah, that, that coaching relationship is huge because I was watching the – I don't know if you saw it. You probably did. The Belichick Saban NFL documentary where they yes. had set them both down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Epic. And, and Saban was so honest in the fact that he goes, There were so many of my guys that got drafted by a team, and I'm like, why the heck did he go there? Like, what are you doing? And if they would have just called me and asked me about this player, I would have told him he's not going to fit into your scheme that well. Exactly. It's nuts how many scouts don't even just talk to the coach no. and, and make sure you you trust those opinions Saban will be candid yes some coaches might be a little bit more True. afraid of that but you got to dig into that background Tito wants to know with Chester Rogers getting let's, signed hey let's go rapid fire here okay I want to make sure that we get through all the rest of these we got about 10 minutes left to record so let's um let's go pretty quick on these okay, okay. Chester Rogers getting signed elsewhere how how well would he have played with the Colts how well does he need to play for the Colts to get a compensation pick? 
if we're still able to get that. Yeah, Colts cannot get one. Compensation period is gone, so Chester Rogers and the Dolphins, good luck. It matters nothing to the Colts. I, I think the compensation period ends like in the spring. Okay. From Zach, coming from a fantasy aspect, it is absolutely guaranteed. Is it as absolutely guaranteed that Jonathan Taylor takes his starting spot from Mac? Taylor's draft price has, at a, has exploded while Max has plummeted. Does Mac have any kind of role if he loses his job besides giving Taylor a breather? Man, I do, part of me is like, where do these questions come? Like, it sounds like a Vegas line has moved because of injury. <laughs> like Frank Wright just said today, Marlon Mack is the starting running back. So I don't, you know, unless you can predict the future, I don't breather. I I, I see more of a split series, and you ride the hot hand, you know, unless Marlon Mack falls off a cliff mm-hmm. and tears his something or other. I still expect a decent workload for him, even if Jonathan Taylor becomes the number one guy. So, no, I think right now, Marlon Mack is your starter week one. And and honestly, I don't think you can predict week two or beyond, which I know is tough, until you see week one unfold. Jay was listening to the Brian Baker interview from Tuesday and wondered what kind of year would it take for Justin Houston to get re-signed after the 2020 season? Yeah, Jay, it's, it's a good question. And Brian Baker is a fascinating interview. Listen, the new defensive line coach, Honestly, I think it takes, Chris, more of a lack of development from the young guys. Banigou, Ture, Lewis. If they don't develop and Houston gives you 14 games, eight sacks, then I think he could be back. Um, They love his leadership. They love how he works. And you know he's got to be fired up for a Super Bowl after what he just saw his former team do. Tom has big expectations for Jonathan Taylor. Thinks he can be a top three back this year. What running back in the NFL today would you compare him to? Damn. Tom's not messing around there. Um, Don't know if he'll have the opportunity to be a top three back. You know, I I think testing-wise, there are some Saquon attributes. That's extremely high praise. Um, You know, Josh Jacobs, I think, is a comp as well. Miles Sanders, I think, is a testing comp. Um. So, yeah, maybe a very poor man, Saquon. We'll take it. Very poor. Saquon's a stud. From Tanner, Bob Sanders, Jonathan Taylor. In the Oklahoma drill, who do you got? Sanders. Yep. NFL Defensive Player of the Year. No questions asked. <laughs> uh, Carter, hey, Kev, thanks for the response in the previous podcast. He's wondering your thoughts on signing Darius Leonard and Quentin Nelson to a contract extension this offseason. Yeah, Leonard for sure. Nelson, you have the fifth year, so there's no need to. Um, you have the fifth-year option. Braden Smith would be the other name that I think you got to keep in mind for an extension this offseason. Because, again, second-round picks, just four-year deals. First-round picks, fifth-year team option. From Isaac, great. Who are we more likely to re-sign, Mack or Walker? With Mack's durability issues and Taylor having had a lot of carries, do you think Mack gets the bulk of the carries and Taylor is used in a minimal fashion to use as RB1 after we let Mac walk after the season. Yeah, I, I, yeah, we kind of hinted on that part of it. As far as Mac or Walker, I think Walker, better chance to come back than Mac. Um, so, yeah, but that's tough. You know, both those guys are on the fence, but I think Walker, slightly better chance to come back than Mac because I just think Mac could have a great opportunity somewhere else. Could opting out backfire on players if the replacements look like an upgrade? Backfire is a harsh word, but I will say the NFL can forget about you quick. Quick. You know, because, you know, you've opened the door for other guys in your position group to make an impression, good or bad. And does the Players Association protect anything like that? I haven't seen anything. I mean, I mean, how can you, you know, how can you really do that? I don't, yeah, I, I, I don't know. That seems gray area. 
Preston wants to know over under how many indie specials with Trey Burton on the team. He's setting the bar at half. Congrats or half a half a touchdown. Congrats on Rose. Oh, give me more. Set it at a half. I, I'd set half. it at one and a half. <laughs> give me two. I need creativity from uh, from from Frank Wright. I do hate how every play now is just called special at the end of that. Yeah, just throw it on there. Tag it on there. Mitchell wants to know with two backups at the DB position, do you think we would be we would be smart to pick up two guys in free agency? Yes, for sure, for sure, for sure. Keep on. Go to the next one. Second question. I challenge you and your brother to a golf with me and my friend for who buys beers with Bowen. Love the pod. Let's go, Mitchell. On that, I gotta make sure Ryan Bowen listens, so he'll 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 be DMing you for that. I don't what? know if you want that, Mitchell. <laughs> Wake Spike. Hey, Chris and KB. Okay, this is this one's this one is hard for the educator in them. What will the ratio of pancakes from Nelson to Sacks be to what will the ratio of pancakes from Nelson to sacks from Buckner be? Example, for every one pancake from Nelson, Buckner has two sacks. Nelson's getting more than, I mean, Nelson's getting multiple pancakes a game, right? So, I mean, a huge ratio difference, Nelson to Buckner sacks. Um, yeah, I mean, okay, Nelson gets three pancakes a game. What's that, 48 for the year? Buckner gets eight sacks, nine sacks. Tanner has a hockey question for you, and it's one that's been bothering him for a while. He's from Nashville, so naturally he loves the Predators. Since there's not an NHL team in Indiana, who do we pull for if we watch hockey? His dad's side's from Scott from Scottsburg, and they don't really care for hockey. Uh, I don't know, Chris. Who, who do I mean? Blackhawks? I don't know. We probably jump on board with every Chicago. Columbus Blue Jackets? They're they're close. St. Louis Blues? They're they're kind of close. I'm a Red Wings guy. Okay, that's fair. It's been tough. Yeah. Hey, we are a big hockey down. Sorry. Indy Fuel. That's right. Patrick wants to know, we've seen players opting out this season, but have you seen any coaches opting out yet? Do coaches have the similar payout agreement as players if they do decide to opt out? It's a great question, Patrick. Yes, I have not seen that at all. You know, there's no union for them. I know Frank Wright kind of downplayed it. And, and, and I think something that I've said earlier, it's like coaches don't get that close to players. Like, this is not um, – this is not, I guess I'm stuck on Friday Night Friday Night Lights. This is not like Don Billingsley's father, you know, <laughs> duct taping the ball to his son and coming on the practice field. Yeah. You know, it's not, for the most part, you aren't super hands-on. And I assume coaches will be wearing masks on the, on the practice field. I think we've seen some pictures about that. Blaze wants to know, which pair do you think is going to have more yards combined, T.Y. Hilton and Pittman Jr. or Marlon Mack and Jonathan Taylor? Oh, boy. That's a good one. Probably the latter. Yeah. You know, that that's a good one. I got to think, man, that's that's tough. I got to think this. Okay, Mac, 1,200 rushing, 1,100 rushing yards. Jonathan Taylor, 750. Hilton, 1,200. And Pittman, 500. I don't know, 600, which is a lot for a rookie. Yes, it is. Hilton says he's bigger, says he's faster. He's off the off the. I mean, as long as Hilton's healthy. This could be close, but I, I think Mack and Taylor, you know, are one and two. Like, that's without a doubt on the running back depth chart. Wide out, there could be some games where Paris Campbell or Zach Pascal eat into Michael Pittman's receptions yards. Alec wants to know who would be more loved in the city of, uh, city of Indianapolis, a quarterback from Notre Dame playing quarterback for the Colts or a guy from IU like Oladipo playing for the Pacers? Obvious oh, answer to him IU. is the Colts. No. But it was big basketball state. I think so, too. No, I mean, 
I love Notre Dame and 90% of people hate Notre Dame. Like, you know, people either love or hate Notre Dame. Yeah, in this state you have Purdue fans, but no. IU basketball, like literally if Romeo Langford would have done something at IU of significance and then been drafted by the Pacers, I mean, you know, the town of New Albany would have had half of Banker's Life Fieldhouse every night. I'm sure there's people who still want it offered over Reggie, even yeah, after seeing right, Reggie's right. career. Yeah, and I will say this, like the quarterback is obviously bigger than – anything like the quarterback means everything but Notre Dame is not as beloved in the city of Indianapolis I think is like you would think mm-hmm. or at least you know would, I would like Notre Dame quarterback is not viewed as like the hometown player like an IU player would be Travis has a good one has the league discussed any penalties for teams lying about star players testing positive for the COVID status and allowing him to play yeah I, I <laughs> Yeah, I, I'm sure they have behind the scenes, but you know, I, Travis, I don't know, I don't know. I mean, seriously, I mean, there, there is some gray area. Stafford, you know, the the false positives with, with with him and whatnot. Um, so yeah, Chad's normally not a doom and gloom guy, but for fun, say the season ends after three weeks. What's the draft look like? Do you just look at the last 16 games played or what? That's a good question. I've never really thought about it. Um, yeah, last 16 games would kind of make sense. I don't know. Maybe go go after these three games and then strength of schedule everyone from there. That might be a little skewed, but that's probably something. Man, that would matter a whole lot. Can you imagine if you got off to a bad start? Yeah. <laughs> if you're like the Chiefs and you were one and two or something? Yeah, the seventh overall pick. Boy, Chad, that's a that's a good one. Jason wants to know with the COVID practice squad rules allowing for six spots with any amount of experience, which players could you see ending up on the practice squad that may have been cut in normal years? Yeah, I you know I'm a fan of the one e- one in each position. We've talked about yep. that. You know, Fountain Johnson, Ashton Doolin, Desmond Patman, one of those guys. You know, Tyquan or Rob Windsor. Um, you know, Matthew Adams or Zaire Franklin. Does Isaiah Rogers make the team now? You would think so. He could have been a practice squad guy. Um, Carter O'Donnell, the undrafted free agent out of Canada, who's a who, who's a tackle. Um, yeah, I mean, pretty much just think of all of like your day three draft picks that could normally be cut, and then your higher-end undrafted free agents, and then some mix of veterans as well. 16's a whole lot. Yes, it is. Okay, three more here quickly. Mr. Blue Shoe, any chance we bring in Griffin or Clowney to put this D line over the top? Uh, Probably not. No. At this point, I think it's all about the young guys. The Colts do have, what, 20, I think it's 22 million in cap space, but um, no, I think it's uh, I think it'll be the young ends. Big fan of the show. Gary wants to know, <laughs> we all know the Patriots are gaming the COVID thing. In your opinion, what's their play, and will they get away with it like always? <laughs> like, this is the most ludicrous question. Like, how are they gaming it? You think Belichick's being like, uh, Dante Hightower, forego $14 million and sit out this year. <laughs> what does Dante Hightower get out of that? He's like, screw that. No, I want my money. Like, no, th- there's like legitimate health reasons, Gary. I mean... Marcus Cannon's a cancer survivor. Like, I mean, come on. Are they really gaming it? They just lost Braden Smith, Darius Leonard, and Kari Wilson. And again, why would these guys opt out and forego all these millions? I mean, like, no. We all want New England Patriot conspiracy theories. (laughs) And I've heard this one, and it's just outrageous. All right, last one this week's from John. Let's say we get through the season and make the playoffs. Rivers, Costanzo, Hilton, Houston, and Stewart all come back for the 2021 season, but every other starter in a contract year walks. What position are you targeting 
with free agency and what positions are you drafting? Oh boy, that's a lot. That's loaded. Okay, Rivers, Costanzo, Hilton, Houston, Stewart all come back. Mm-hmm. So that means Mack walks, Burton walks, Houston, Autry, Rhodes, Danny Pintner, your center. Uh, <laughs> okay, tight end, running back, I'd go through the draft. You need a versatile defensive lineman, and you need a corner. Probably a big-name corner. Um, Rhodes would be walking as well because, you know, Marvell Tell, the uncertainty of him coming back. Mm-hmm. So, Boy, that was great. Um, all right, sorry about the rapid fire there to end. Got to go host JMV. He's Chris Presley. I'm Kevin Bowen. We'll be back next week. We'll be at practices. Start next week. Can't wait. And uh, for the latest, 1075thefan.com.